Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Please be seated. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Over the hills and the valleys, the sheep are lost and are separated. Their shepherd is dead. Their home is lost. Then suddenly, the shepherd appears in the valley. He calls, and the sheep hear his voice. The sheep know their master's voice, and they run joyfully to their master. Enter with me as we enter into the days after Christ's death and his resurrection. The disciples, every single one of them, they fled at Jesus' arrest. John, in his haste, flees so quickly that he loses his robe and is naked in his escape. And although John and Peter return to watch Jesus' trial, the damage is done, and they have abandoned him at his time of need. Indeed, even when Peter comes back to witness the trial, he denies our Lord, just as our Lord predicted. Irony of all ironies, isn't it? that the men who wanted to start a revolution, one that would certainly end up in blood, they end up deserting their king at his time of need. Now, of course, Peter doesn't leave without trying to start a fight, and even lops off a servant's ear. But before the other ten disciples can take up arms and engage with the guards who seek to seize their king, Jesus does something peculiar, doesn't he? He bends down, and he heals the servant's ear by reattaching it. And that powerful act shows us two things. First, the Creator is walking among his creation. The Creator has healed one of his creature, the bloodied servant. Second, the revolution is not going to be an uprising as his disciples imagined, but it will be bloody. But the one who will be bloodied will be our King, the Lord Jesus Christ upon his cross. And when the disciples realize that this isn't the revolution they anticipated, this isn't the revolution they signed up for, that Jesus is going to willingly give himself over, they flee in panic, for they know the penalty of association with one who is considered a rebel, a traitor. The penalty is death, and they'll have no part. So can you imagine with me for a moment Imagine that after Christ is crucified, why the disciples are holed up and hiding in that upper room? Jesus is executed because he's king of the Jews, as it's written up upon his cross. Jesus is crucified for being a threat to Rome, for being a treasonous rebel, for claiming that he is king and Caesar is not. Ironically, Ironically, our Lord is crucified as being a rebel when really it's humanity who is in outright defiant rebellion to the creator of the universe. And this is the whole reason why our Lord has to come down and die for our sins is because of our rebellion. And anyone who is a known associate of Jesus, anyone who is a known associate of this movement, for a king of the Jews, 
is considered an accomplice, a fellow rebel. And this is one of the many reasons why the disciples fear for their lives and are holed up and refuse to leave when we find them here in John. Now let's enter into the Gospel of Luke. And what does the Gospel tell us? Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, Peace to you. Peace. Our Lord stands among those who deserted him at his hour of need. And what does he say? Peace to you. Peace for us who have always been in rebellion to the will of God. Peace to us who crucified him. Peace to us who have not remained faithful to him. Continues. But they were frightened, they were startled, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Do you hear that? Showing the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is God. Knowing what's in their hearts. Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. And then showing that he can read their minds and their thoughts and their doubts, he says, Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. Knowing they're thinking, is this a ghost that we're seeing? What's happening? And he says, no, touch me. Touch me and see that I'm not a spirit. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it before them. To show, indeed, I am here physically before you. The resurrection is a physical reality. Not a hopeful, I think I saw him. Not some sort of hallucination, but there he is, wounds and all. And eating once again. Yet, even while we disbelieve, our Lord comes to us as well. Just as he came to his apostles, then his disciples, soon to be his apostles. And our Lord comes to us now. How? He comes to us now through his written word. And he provides us assurances that he has indeed, has conquered death, has conquered the evil one who deceived us into our bondage and to sin, and that he now holds the keys of death, so we no longer need to fear death. Let's continue in verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus reminded them, I told you these things must happen and will happen. Why? To fulfill the law, the prophets, and the writings. The Old Testament division by the Jewish people. These three, the law, the prophets, and the writings, bear witness to Jesus Christ. So when we go into the Old Testament Scriptures, we should be looking for Christ and not surprised when we see Him there. He continues, Then He opened up their minds to understand the Scriptures. And He said to him, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Why? Why does He rise from the dead? So that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations. And that is why we gather today 
and while we prepare after the service, to go out to be witnesses of who Jesus Christ is, to what he has done, that he is resurrected, and that when there is repentance, let us not forget repentance, when there is a turning away from the old, a turning away from our sins, then we will receive forgiveness of our sins. And that is what we proclaim. That's good news. That's why we go out to all the nations. That's why we invite people next Sunday to come and join us to celebrate not just this parish, but more importantly to celebrate Eastertide, to celebrate Jesus Christ risen. And how do we celebrate it? Over a mill. That is why we're going to celebrate for Good Shepherd Sunday next week. But I want you to notice this also. Our Lord says that this forgiveness of sins and repentance should be proclaimed to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Beginning in Jerusalem. And do you notice how the grace of our God is revealed as our Lord tells His disciples to begin preaching the good news? Where? (laughs) To the very people who had just crucified Him days before. What mercy God has. The same city to which our Lord prophesied and said that they had killed the prophets time and time again, and they would kill him. And sure enough, they did. And yet forgiveness of sins is to begin to be preached right there in Jerusalem. But why choose these witnesses, these men who have failed to follow Jesus so faithfully, the ones who ran away, the one who's deserted him? Why trust the ones who you know cannot be trusted to stand by you? Why? Because the Lord tells them in verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of my resurrection, that it is finished upon that cross. In verse 49, behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Such riches he lavished upon us. These men who fell to stick with him, and yet the promise is that you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, that you will even receive this power from on high. And it's so important and crucial that you remain until you receive that power. Verse 49. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Not something that you you receive, although it is a gift of the Holy Spirit, but something in which you are completely clothed, enveloped, wrapped around by the Holy Spirit. I want to go back to witnesses for a moment. Remember our Lord said that you are my witnesses. And we too are witnesses of Christ Jesus. Do you realize this? In Acts 15 verse 8, it tells us, it testifies to us that God bears witnesses to us through the Holy Spirit. That power from on high. The disciples are promised to be clothed with in the coming weeks. And truly, these men were clothed by the Holy Spirit. And we're about to hear that as we approach Pentecost. And we too are clothed by the very same Spirit, by the very same God, when we truly yield ourselves over in a trusting faith that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, has conquered our sins, that there is forgiveness and repentance here and now. Here now from the book of Acts from what I'm reading this morning, how these fearful and these huddled disciples in this room are changed men when they become apostles for Jesus Christ. 
On the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. And where is the gospel first to be preached? In Jerusalem. With Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power, by what name do you do this? For the apostles had just healed a man in the name of Jesus. Then Peter, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Peter who fled, the same one who denied Christ, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Now that's witnessing. That's witnessing. That is boldness to be in such a time and a place when all of this had just occurred. The events are fresh. And he is boldly telling them, the same one whom you crucified is risen from the dead. And it's through his name, his name, that this man who was once crippled has been made whole. Verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's powerful. So powerful that the scripture records. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated, common men, for God truly gives to us, to the fools of Christ, the wisdom of God. And to these uneducated common men, they are given the wonderful privilege of walking with Christ, of walking with God in the flesh, and of seeing the good news firsthand. And when they hear and they see that these uneducated common men are the ones preaching, they were astonished. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. That's a dangerous situation to be in. The same group that had condemned our Lord to die recognized who they are when only a few weeks before, what was Peter saying? I recognize you were with this man who's, who the trial is going on right now. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I never knew him. The same Peter who cannot associate himself with Jesus for fear of his own life now is boldly proclaiming to the same council that condemned our Lord who Jesus is. Verse 14, But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. What boldness. What clarity in proclaiming Jesus. What has changed? These men have changed. Because the unchanging eternal God has changed the mortal and the double-hearted men by giving them a new heart. That fire of the Holy Spirit. It's the only reason why the apostles, whom the rulers and the elders recognize, no longer fear about being discovered. But now, they said they boldly preach and heal and proclaim the gospel. So Christian, what is holding you back? What is holding you back? Why are you weak? Why do you still fear and huddle in the upper room of your own life? Why do you remain in your sins? 
St. John told us this morning in his letter, beginning in verse 5, he said, This is the message that we've heard from him, and we proclaim to you that God is light. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. For the word of God is clear. Christ is clear. St. John's words is clear. That salvation is at hand. Good news is revealed in no other name except through Christ alone. And when the light exposes your darkness, you can't remain in the dark. So if we claim Christ, if we claim Christ, and yet we walk in the dark, then we are a liar. And Scripture has revealed to us who is the father of all lies. Satan. The angel who began the rebellion against the one who made us. But Christ has not left us alone. For it is Christ alone by whom we are saved. But Christ has not left us alone. We are not left as lost sheep, for the good shepherd knows his sheep. And he is calling them. And he knows his sheep. And the sheep know his voice and are coming to him. He's not abandoned us. But instead... The days are coming in which we will soon celebrate His ascension to God the Father, whom we are now reconciled to. And now we, just like Jesus, can call Him our Father, who art in heaven. So that now, now the gift of God and the Holy Spirit, which we are soon to celebrate as we approach Pentecost, but we can celebrate today, here and now, because we're on the other side of Pentecost. That gift of God, the Holy Spirit, may be gifted to us to make all things new. And that begins with us. It begins by making sinners new. It begins by making us born again. It begins by regenerating us from the old Adam into the new. So now through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can, quote, walk in the light as He is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of His Son cleanses us from all sin. John lays out the Christian walk so beautifully in his letter. He explains, starting in verse 8, that if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful. And He's just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, then we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. And then John says to the flock of God he's writing to, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We hear those words and the comfortable words as we prepare our hearts to receive Holy Communion. And flock of the Good Shepherd, I want you to do three things now. And think about this. Take this home with you. Don't let this simply be an exercise here and now, but let it dwell and marinate with you throughout the week. First, examine your hearts. Examine your hearts. Are you following your heart instead of your Lord? Renew your minds. Renew your minds. Know the will of God by knowing His Savior Jesus Christ is revealed in the written Word of God. Read the Word. Listen to the Word being read over you. Follow the Word 
and then know the living word, Jesus Christ. And third, receive the power from on high. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Receive Him. Be transformed by Him. Pray, Lord, use me as your vessel. And that's a dangerous prayer because the Lord will use you. For the Lord, too, is dangerous. And God, the Holy Spirit, is like fire. And like fire, He's untamable. For our God is not a man-made idol, but He is the all-sufficient, ever-existing I Am. When you encounter the living God, you cannot be the same. We see it all throughout Scripture. Abram becomes Abraham. Jacob becomes Israel. And Saul becomes a Paul. And we, too, are always being molded by the Creator. And though we still have the marks of our sin in this flesh until our own resurrection, but don't make that an excuse that you are not changed by the encounter of the living God. And we are preparing our hearts now to experience Him in a second way. We've just experienced Him by hearing the written Word over us. And now we get to experience Him by partaking of Him at the table. Were it not for God's grace and God's forgiveness of our sins, then we too would react as Isaiah the prophet did when he saw God in the vision and cried out, I am undone! And he fell to the floor as though he was dead. Indeed, we are undone. Undone from sin. Undone from the world. Undone from our own self-centeredness. We are undone so that we may be witnesses. Witnesses of the bold power of God in our own lives. Witnesses that God has visited His people and that we killed Him. And yet He returned to life and forgave us. We are witnesses that turning away from the old life and embracing the new life gives us forgiveness of sins and abundant life like we've never lived before. So then I say to you, let us be undone. Let us be unraveled. Let us be naked to this world. May we be holy, completely, and radically obedient to the God who made us and to His written word. Not half-heartedly showing up. Not praying when it suits us. But always going before the throne of heaven itself and asking the Creator for His guidance, for His strength. For his spirit. There are other lost sheep like ourselves. And it's time for us to go out and find them. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit.